You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Welcome to the JCN Clinic podcast show. I am Jessica. I am Carissa. (laughs) And today we are talking about die-off, which is something that I'm sure a lot of you have heard about before. Maybe you are aware of what it means, maybe you're not. And we thought it would be a good subject to clarify. And it's also something we deal with a lot in the clinic, particularly in the gut space. So we're going to break it down today and talk about what it is, what's normal, what's not, um, and essentially what people should be expecting in the space of die-off. Yeah, it's a bit of a bit of an interesting name. I don't know if there's any other sort of way you'll clarify it, but um, yeah, it sort I of is the. Know. I feel like it needs a more like I don't know, like technical name. I, like I feel like it's you know what you know what it reminds me of is um so there's die-off and it's when people say leaky gut. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I think it also, you know, realistically, when you talk about die off, it probably does have some inverted commas, sort of smarter names when you talk about what's actually smarter yeah. or like better scientific sounding names when you talk about what's actually going on. So, exactly. So as far as what is die-off, now it's something I think pretty much with uh, every client at least to a point in the clinic when we're walking them through their gut treatment, we'll usually have a conversation with our clients about the expectations around this and and what we think that may occur for them. So when we we sort of we mentioned die-off, we're talking about when people usually and we'll break this down as we go usually are starting some form of gut treatment and most commonly when they do start taking some form of antimicrobials which again we'll break down as we go through um that elicit a reduction of the bacteria microbes yeast essentially within the gut so the aim of the supplements is to get in there and start killing which i hate that word too um, <laughs> reducing down these um, overgrowth bacteria usually commensal bacteria commensal yeast that are too high in numbers now as that happens what these bacteria slash yeast um, slash parasites do is that and this is where i guess you can kind of talk about some of these more technical terms i keep your air quoting and i don't know why i was gonna do when you were Starting explaining die off before I was actually just going to start doing like a death like scene, but I'm like, oh, no one can see it except me. <laughs> except that I'll just start laughing. <laughs> bacteria. So I always say to my clients that what's happening is these actual little microbes, as we are reducing their numbers and killing them off, is that they're releasing their own little toxins and. Yep. Something that a lot of these bacteria have, particularly more your gram negative, is something called LPS, which are lipopolysaccharides. And these are 
quite toxic in high numbers. Um, and a term that I often use is endotoxins. So it's this internal production of toxins. But really what die-off is, is an increased production of endotoxins. So these these LPS being produced, but also a lot of inflammatory cascades being kind of elicited and kicked off because of these um, sort of a little bit of a war that's going on in your gut. And these endotoxins put more of a burden onto your gut and consequently onto usually the liver and your lymphatics and all your detox organs, which are trying to deal with this increased debris. (laughs) And as a result, we can experience more symptoms. And I think the reason why, well, not I think, I know the reason why people experience this more at the start is because their gut and usually their detoxification organs aren't in the best of state. So we're trying to help someone get healthier through this process, but there's still an element of not having the best gut immunity, the best detoxification to deal with this increased load of endotoxins. So as a result, it can make you feel pretty crappy. (laughs) So there's so much more than that. But in a nutshell, when I think about die off, it's really this increased load of these endotoxin or internal toxin production that is creating increased inflammation, inflammatory load, and putting this extra load onto our detoxification organs. Yeah. I think you just nailed that. <laughs> I don't even have to say anything. I'm just sitting here. Like, yep, yep. <laughs> so do you want to talk about why Chris is like, nah. You, you can do this podcast. <laughs> you got this, Coxie. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Do you want to sort of um, talk about, because the next step in that is like what sort of symptoms? And I yeah. think this is where we talk about this what people thing. might experience locally within the gut and systemically. And yeah. obviously that sort of starts to highlight this um, load onto detoxification and yeah. how that might present. Absolutely, I can cover that for you. Thank you. That would be wonderful. (laughs) You can tell it's Monday, guys. It doesn't matter what day you get us. Friday, Friday our brains are fried. Monday, we're just delusional. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I basically explain it to my clients that it is going to be different for every person. Um, And But I think what I would explain is like common and to be expected, and I just honestly use the analogy of a wine hangover, which yes. I feel like most people have had. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you shouldn't. You just feel you should feel a bit dusty. Like if you don't, that's okay. But like if you feel a bit dusty, like a bit foggy in the head, maybe a little bit headachey. Um, that's probably more some more systemic stuff, probably from the gut thing. A bit more bloated, maybe a bit of a change in bowel habits. So if you're definitely someone who is maybe prone to looser bowels, maybe a bit of a flare up in that for a couple of days, a bit more bloated, a bit more gassy. But ideally, it should. I always say to my clients, like at the dose that I've administered the antimicrobial, what I an expected outcome would be about feeling like that for maybe three to five days a week max, and then it should settle a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and then from there, it's, the antimicrobial is kind of doing its work. And you may feel like you might feel a bit off. 
like up and down depending on what's happening, especially if we then increase the dose, which often can happen obviously when we're doing antimicrobial work or change the antimicrobial or drop a biofilm disruptor in there or something like that. So obviously when there's any elicited change with the antimicrobial treatment, you can expect there to be a change in die-off, in inverted commas, again, and how the body feels with that. But essentially, like I definitely try and coach my coach, I don't know, talk to my clients, (laughs) that it realistically, it should be tolerable for Mm -hmm. you. So Mm -hmm. if it's not, so obviously this is the thing with antimicrobials as well and why treatment with them is very individual. Like let's say, for example, um, I haven't done a gut test with someone and they're not so they're not wanting to go down that road for whatever reason. It might be financial, it might just be they want to they just want to do, you know, just some gut work without having to spend money on a gut test and sort of see what we can do. Um I definitely if I think and this is why I think, you know, being a good practitioner and starting to know your clients and do good case taking comes into it, is that you definitely administer antimicrobials to a person at a the dose you think their gut can handle and be the dose you think systemically they can handle. Mm-hmm. So if you've got someone, for example, that you know really has a very temperamental gut, they're very, very sensitive to a lot of things, systemically you can tell their detoxification capacity and detox pathways aren't amazing or their elimination organs aren't amazing and they're constipated as fuck, that's that's another elimination <laughs> process. Like if you've got one of those sort of more toxic people who you know is really going to struggle with any sort of you know endotoxin release in the body they're going to really feel it a lot more say than a person who's completely in a different position you don't go in guns blazing with any microbials because then the die-off picture is going to be too intense for them and when we're starting to see things that i would say aren't normal or more than should be expected that's when we start to see exactly what you were saying just like the detox pathways and elimination pathways are all completely just overwhelmed and overburdened you get definitely um the more localized um impacts which is you know gut upset sometimes it's cramping it's pain it's um a definite change in bowel habits you know very bad bloating i've i've had people react like that just even at a gut level Mm. sometimes the antimicrobial just doesn't agree with them um Mm -hmm. it's not you know, the actual die-off. So sometimes it is, again, that comes down to mm-hmm. trying to decipher whether it's the antimicrobial itself or whether it is die-off. But then we're talking more systemically, like just feeling really shit, like very fatigued, borderline. I've even had some clients react quite badly and feel depressed from obviously yeah, endotoxin and LPS. One. Yeah, LPS, um, create or, you know, whatever, creation, whatever. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the right word for that. Anyway, LPS shit kicking around. Um but so like they're very toxic, basically, like yeah. headachey, sinusy, more allergy-like, um, just really foggy in the head, very fatigued. Um, yeah, some people, I've had some people break out in rashes mm-hmm. and these, you know, and this is just, this is, I'm really scaring everyone off any of my friends, I'm sure. <laughs> but these are more extreme cases, right? Like some people, and this is where like, obviously you have such close contact with your clients when they're starting any sort of antimicrobial therapy because you're like, here's what's to be expected and here's what's not. Mm-hmm. So if any of this stuff, and I usually check in with my clients a week or two after they've started any microbial, they just pop them an email like, hey, how you going? Like, no, I'm sweet, I'm good, I'm cool, let's increase. I'm, I'm still not feeling great. Okay, well, let's just monitor this dose and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it is anything that's really extreme, like you're really fatigued, you're losing weight, you've got a headache, you can't eat, you're vomiting, you're nauseous, you've got gut cramps, all of those things, too much, too much of a load on the body in one hit and they really need to be backed off. Exactly. And can we, <laughs> no, that's, that's really helpful. My turnover. 
<laughs> so I think there's a few things that you highlighted there too. So obviously those local symptoms versus systemic symptoms. And as you just showed, it's very, very diverse and it's going to differ from person to person depending on how this um, die off and this load of endotoxins is affecting different people in different capacities. But definitely that analogy of a hangover is one that I use a lot of the time, but it is very common to see a mix of those local gut symptoms and some form of systemic symptoms. But you definitely also highlighted about this length of time and usually with majority of people, definitely, you know, seeing that first week, Ideally, by the end of the first week without question, seeing symptoms settle down and then maybe it might be a little bit of a a roll on effect once you increase dosages again, if you are doing that with someone. But sometimes, and I know you would see this a lot too, and it's important for people who definitely listen to this podcast, that sometimes you can see outside those variables. So you can have someone who you might think that um, would have really insane responses as far as how much they've got going on and they may not and then conversely you can have someone that seems like they should be generally pretty robust and they can actually have really strong symptoms Um, and I think where I sort of wanted to go first with that is that when we're working in this space and you know that the symptoms that you're experiencing are because of this reduction of these bacteria like it's you know it's it's good thing in that you know it's working but this concept of like as you said going in guns blazing and if it's too much for the body and you're experiencing these symptoms and they're not going away then you have to be respectful of like what sort of impact that's putting on to the body overall as far as inflammation and capacity to deal with this and you know i know i have some clients at the moment going through this where i know there can be this sort of feeling of of, particularly for clients it's just like i just want to do this i'll do the hard yards i'll put it in and it's just there's an element of where look some people are going to take a little bit longer to get through the rough patch Mm -hmm. and i totally see that and respect that sometimes there's a small percentage that might take a few weeks to get out of the rough zone But if you're still at a really high level of um, these symptoms after a couple of weeks, then that's that's too much. Like you're better off to reduce dosages down and work with your practitioner to find a space where you feel like it's more something you can deal with. Because if you can deal with it more, your body can deal with it more. There's there's no I know when people have been dealing with gut issues for so long, like they're just like, I just want to get, you know, get rid of this quicker. But trying to sprint through this and push it too hard too fast can be not the the most respectful way to go sometimes it is better to go slower and to get to the end a little bit slower without putting so much stress onto the body and again I think it highlights why it's so important to work with someone who understands that and can take on board all of your symptoms and what makes sense like are you someone that I'm comfortable that it's 10 days, you know, 12 days into your symptoms and things as you're into this symptom of starting this treatment and you're still feeling really intense on this prescriptive dose. Do we give it a little bit longer before we make some changes or do we change now? Like that's something that is very individualized. Yeah. And um, I think only between a client and a practitioner um, can be sort of judged and monitored, but definitely overall, as you said, like, in most cases, and this is definitely, I guess, one of the reasons we want to do this, like people going on to regimes and going for 
weeks and months and months of just feeling really, really crap um, is certainly not ideal. No, definitely not. And I think too, there's there seems to be a bit of a space where die off. Um, I think, and I know you would have seen this. And I think we have. I think we've definitely talked about this in other podcasts, but using die-off as an ex- not an excuse that's probably not the right word but when your client is telling you and this is obviously something we're very careful with at the clinic you have to you have to really listen to your clients because they're the ones that are going through it and you really have to be able to gauge their personality as well their mm-hmm. coping mechanisms for feeling shit exactly. um because you putting someone on antimicrobials and then putting them through a couple of weeks of hell which i have seen happen not mm-hmm. obviously in our clinic um but like where they've, you know, been on intensive antimicrobial treatments for four to six weeks and even three months sometimes where I've had clients tell me they felt like absolute shit for, you know, six mm-hmm. weeks with extreme fatigue. Mm-hmm. That is too much for mm-hmm. the human body. Like, and that's where like, like what you were just saying, like some people will feel a bit crappy for a couple of weeks. Some people only a couple of days, but it's really important that it's, it's as a practitioner, it's, you really gauge how much of the, that body can handle in terms of detoxing and don't push it beyond what it's meant to do for a long period of time because mm. the, the body does not like shock tactics yeah. um, and you don't want to overwhelm all of those pathways in in detox in terms of detoxification and stuff like that because you just create um yeah you create more inflammation exactly so. exactly and remembering too because often this type of treatment is at the start of someone's gut work so again like they don't usually have the capacity to deal with this and it's already again why they're getting these symptoms is because they don't have this um, good robust gut to deal with this increased load so it's being really mindful and not just being tunnel visioned on this one thing so I think the other thing that we mentioned in that which I think is interesting is sometimes people don't get symptoms so i think every time yeah. we put someone onto antimicrobials <laughs> we prep them and we're like this could happen you might feel like them. this we always i think you and i probably are big on telling people it might feel like you have a hangover for a couple of days but yeah. sometimes you prep people and it doesn't happen and it doesn't mean that these supplements aren't working it's obviously again a case-by-case basis of looking at how are you going? How are you feeling? What symptoms are we seeing reduced over the coming weeks? Like we have to look at it again with what you're taking in respect to how you're progressing and what we would be expecting to see. So as a practitioner, we have to make that judgment based on how you present and then make a call on, okay, are these the right antimicrobials for you? Do we need to add in a biofilm? clear or buster or whatever you want to call it to sort of get in and break down those biofilms to get in further is there an element of that showing that it might be needed or is it actually just doing its job you're just someone that just doesn't present with really strong symptoms and i think anecdotally we see that all the time yeah like you don't have to feel like hell for these things to work exactly (laughs) and sometimes too that's just a bit of a window depending on the person and depending what's come back with a gut test like i definitely air more on the side of caution like if i feel Mm -hmm. like giving someone the higher dose of antimicrobials isn't the way to go but i feel like they straight up but i'm pretty sure they're confident they're going to handle it Mm -hmm. i might just start off at the lower dose for two weeks check in with them they're like Mm -hmm. i really haven't noticed any difference i'm like great let's increase the dose now Mm -hmm. rather than go in with a higher dose to start with make them feel really terrible 
Um, you know, which I think you get like the more you time you spend working in the gut space, you start to get really good at gauging it. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, like we don't get it right all the time. Like some of my clients that I've thought are going to handle things, things like a champ, don't. Yeah. And then we're like, you know, a couple of days in, I'm like, okay, no, let's back it off. Or, um, you know, I think another interesting thing we were, I don't know if we're going to talk about this. I'm going to bring it up anyway. Is um, <laughs> is I feel like have you noticed um anecdotally more than anything that sometimes um any microbials have a shelf life in someone's gut where they do really really well on them and then all of a sudden it's like it might be you know four to six weeks or something like that and they've had a good run Mm. um and all of a sudden it's like then that antimicrobial starts to maybe like not agree with them and you pull Mm -hmm. it back out and their gut goes back to good like it's not something i've seen heaps of but i've Mm. definitely seen it enough over you know however many years we've been doing this now to kind of know that I feel like there's obviously some stage where the antimicrobial actually stops agreeing with someone. Yeah. Have you noticed that a little bit from time to time yeah. with certain people? Yeah, for sure. So, and I think certain certain types of ingredients more than others. And I think yeah. it, I think realistically the gut gets to a point or the microbiome gets to a point where you've reduced the load of what you're trying to reduce Mm. to a certain point and then the antimicrobial itself or the ingredient in it starts to actually become more aggravating to the microbiome aggravating yeah Yeah. so i think it's that element of that you need to remove it at that point and for some people it might be okay it's done its job we're in a good spot or i think as you're also saying maybe it's a need to change to something else as well depending on whether it's Mm. like is this not working anymore because i think also bacteria and particularly yeast are very very smart and adaptable yeah. it's you know yeah. it's why we talk about antibiotic resistance right like they can adapt and perhaps there's also sometimes a need where they're just like yeah you've been like throwing oregano at me for a certain amount of time now and i'm kind of used to this but yeah. that sort of would maybe present in a different light but yeah i think that essentially it gets to a point where the microbiome has changed enough and it's just like no you're really aggravating me now so yeah yeah you need to stop this i know years ago taking since i can't even remember what it was i remember taking something i just like choked on my own spit <laughs> I just, <laughs> um i remember taking something where i experienced that myself can't remember what it was but just was taking it for a while i was like this it felt good and then i was just like oh not working anymore and it was it was like it was an aggravated feeling yeah um yeah for sure and then i think it's too the difference knowing honestly and you do just have some people that just don't do well on certain antimicrobial ingredients and that's not that's the being a good Mm -hmm. practitioner as well knowing the difference between die off um and expected so extreme die off and then also not this is an extreme die-off. This is actually a person reacting to an antimicrobial. The same as someone can react to an antibiotic, the same as someone can react to a a pharmaceutical-grade compound of any kind. People also have the potential to not do well on Mm -hmm. a certain antimicrobial. And I've had that as well. Like I've had one client, we we started at a lower dose and she didn't feel great and Mm -hmm. then we backed it off. And just we found out that it was actually, I think it was, like we worked out, we pretty much isolated that it was just, she just doesn't do well on berberine in any way, shape or form, but she's fine on garlic and she's fine on sage and, Mm -hmm. you know, she's fine on all these different, you know, um, antimicrobials, but you chuck berberine into anything and it's intense gut pain. So Mm -hmm. that's not die off and that's not, oh, the gut needs a lot more work. That's, berberine's not agreeing with you and let's not push that. That's right. And I think I've been talking with some of the, participants in the online courses at the moment about this like there's 
there's a different level with antimicrobials too where some are more sparing and more gentle than others so you you're going to see that there's certain antimicrobial types of herbs in particular that will be a bit more aggressive in nature and i think we see this because we use them so much and there's some that we have flagged where we're like oh okay this could be more um upsetting than perhaps using something on the spectrum end that is is generally more gentle so it just of course it highlights again working with someone that understands that and not taking things willy-nilly which you know of course that comes back to as always, if you're trying to work through this, um, not just taking random antimicrobials, like really understanding what you're yeah. doing and um, working with someone that can assist you through this. Because die off, you know, we were obviously really highlighting that it can be not a great uh, thing to go through, but it is obviously a component of working through gut treatment. So, you know, we want people to understand it and um, be respectful of what's going on, but also really make sure if it's something that you are working on with your gut that it is being done in the right way, whether it's, I guess, you know, as you could say on your own, I prefer it not to be, but with a with a practitioner or how long you've been working through that. So I think that brings up the space too, like for a lot of um, like, and I've, I've I kind of don't know how I feel about it, but the whole, um, like, obviously there's so many people that use the ingestible, like the doTERRA antimicrobial oils and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I just, I, like, again, no, no, that wasn't on, our, wasn't on our chat list, but I just, it, you just made me think of it. Like, there's a lot of people mm. at home doing antimicrobial work on their own, which yeah. is fine. Take your health into your own hands. But just know that, like, these these oils, like, mm. you know, if you're using oregano oil or using peppermint oil or using lemon oil or anything like that, or some sort of, you know, great seed, grapefruit extracts or seed extract, or like mm. all of those things, they're not okay to have in there every single day for the rest of your life because mm-hmm. someone's told you it's good for your gut. Like yeah. these things have a purpose. They can be used for a period of time. I have seen a little bit. I don't know because, again, it's not a space that, you know, we really work in a lot, but I have. I know there's a very big um, sort of mixed view on whether or not ingesting those really pure oils straight is even good for you Mm -hmm. like I'm I don't know myself so I'm not Mm -hmm. going to say yay or nay or for against it like but I do think like they are very strong Mm -hmm. and I think if you are going to use them like use them for a period of time don't make it something you are having oh you know like you know lemon or oregano oil in your water at a couple of drops every single day like it's Mm -hmm. not something I would be doing myself personally also because of the concentration of those i have heard they are quite they can be quite taxing on the liver pathways again not 100 percent sure but these are just obviously when you chat to different naturopaths and different people in like the antimicrobial space and you hear people talk about on podcasts there seems to be a very like sort of muddled view as to how safe things are like mm. that long term so i think if you are someone who does use a lot of the like it's not necessarily doTERRA but doTERRA is obviously <laughs> the most common brand that comes to mind for everyone mm. but you are using any of those ingestible oils like um just be aware of what you're taking and aware of the dosage that you're taking and how mm-hmm. long you're taking them for yeah so 100 percent. well there is there ingredients that are in these antimicrobials we're antimicrobial talking about we so yeah. it's you know they you do have a little bit more of a potential ability to monitor your dosage and maybe not take as much that might be in a capsule form but yeah. still it's a potent antimicrobial at the end of the day yeah. and these these types of antimicrobials shouldn't be something that are taken ongoingly and i'm sure 
I think we did a podcast about that a long time ago about antimicrobials. So I'll put that in the uh, show notes if you want to know more. I'll just write myself a note that says show notes. (laughs) 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 So I just wanted to finish up with talking about um, the the concept of die-off and we've talked about it in reference to antimicrobials, but sometimes we see this occur without the use of antimicrobials. So usually it is antimicrobials that will set it off, but sometimes we see this happen with dietary changes and sometimes we see it happen even with some, what I would call kind of like base work, foundational supplements. So something that for the average person is, is there to soothe the mucosal lining. Like we might be talking about some basic glutamines and slippery elms and turmerics just to soothe everything down. Um, maybe, maybe uh, a probiotic of sorts that's generally meant to be anti-inflammatory at, at the most, but generally also a diet where we're taking someone's diet from including ingredients and foods that we consider for them uh, a, a feeding into a very dysbiotic gut and we're getting those out of the diet and reducing them. And usually we might be increasing their hydration, which I think is a big one. And sometimes that alone, not for everyone, it's definitely a smaller percentage, but that can be a catalyst for this to occur, which I always think is fascinating because it highlights, one, the power of diet, and two, how much diet affects our microbiome. So even with the diet alone, what we're doing is we are changing the diet to take fuel away from adverse microbes but at the same time we're probably because of what we're doing including certain types of whole foods and ingredients that are naturally rich in compounds to start getting rid of some of these microbes and as a result if this person's got a really strong again in stereotypical fashion usually these people have a very strong chronic background and that alone can be enough to elicit these types of reactions, um, which is, I mean, as a nutritionist, I just find it absolutely fascinating to see yeah. that. It's definitely an alarm bell when it goes off as far as when you get some test results back to not go in with uh, high dosages of antimicrobials yeah. anytime <laughs> yeah. soon. But yeah. it's pretty amazing how the body alone just from diet just from dietary changes and maybe with some supplements but even just with diet can have these types of responses 100 percent. like i know i've seen it like just those fundamental shifts in the gut microbiome over a couple Mm. of weeks from just a dietary change look some people you put it put them on like let's say like you know you pull the fodmaps out of their diet or you pull Mm -hmm. put them on a lower oxalate diet so like essentially you're removing a fermentable carbohydrate um, potential like reactivity yeah. load or you're reducing like an oxalate load or a histamine load or something yeah. like that and some people honestly within a couple of days feel freaking amazing yeah. some people you chat to them and like it takes them two or three weeks to feel yeah. okay on that diet and that is just what like it's almost it is it's diet die off basically yeah. it's like all of a sudden you're completely changing the food source or the you know the chemical mm-hmm. intake because oxalates are probably more like a, a chemical compound or is that how you describe oxalates kind of like a chemical compound i would I say know. it's a chemical anyway. yeah um but something that's been so prevalent in the gut microbiome in terms of you know feeding up certain microbes and you know being part of certain biochemical reactions and all of that and you just take them away quickly and there is for a lot not a lot of people but for some people definitely like a very big 
um, shitty couple of weeks in terms yeah. of how they feel. And it, it is. It's it's these fundamental changes in the gut microbiome making them feel that way. And mm-hmm. it, it takes them two to three weeks before they feel good yeah. or before their gut responds well or something like mm-hmm. that. So, Which, once again, highlights working with someone and um, ideally having someone that you can reach out to when this happens because I know – and I'm, you know, you do too. And the other practitioners at JCN, if you have the client that goes through this and you've had an initial consultation and you change their diet and, you know, one or two weeks in, they're just like, oh my God, I feel terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it can be a <laughs> yeah, little bit confronting <laughs> for them. They're just like all excited about their journey with you. And then they just feel toxic and horrible. It's yeah. really important to have a practitioner that you can reach out to and, and do those check-ins with. And as yeah. always, assess case by case because there could be multiple other reasons that could be occurring for each individual person. But, you know, we can kind of break it down and go, okay, well, this is what you were eating and this is what you're eating now and this is what you were drinking and this is what you're drinking now. Yeah. Like this is a massive fundamental shift. So even, again, like water is one that continues to amaze me where someone goes from drinking hardly any water to getting their water intake to maybe you know a liter and a half two liters spread out through the day maybe including a few herbal teas like that is a huge shift in supporting detoxification for someone who has probably huge backup of detox maybe particularly constipation and suddenly you start drinking more water it seems so trivial but it's the big thing so it's it's just so important as always to have that support and guidance so you can figure out, okay, is this right for me? Yeah. I even explain it to all, all of my hormone clients. Like the minute we start manipulating how, not even how, like, but how hormone metabolite, metabolites can behave mm-hmm. and where and how we're, our body's detoxing them. I say to my clients, I'm like, expect this first period to be worse. Yeah, so true. (laughs) Because essentially the the human body is so smart in when it's got backed up crap, whether it be, um, you know, literal crap, crap, toxic estrogens, um, it's it's been in a state of low-grade inflammation, whether that be from gluten, whether that be from dairy, whether that be from oxalates or FODMAPs or histamines mm-hmm. or anything like that, um, whatever it is, the body becomes very, very good at dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And the minute you give it some mechanisms, whether it just be something as simple as water mm-hmm. to enhance what it's naturally designed to do, it's just, it's kind of like, it was, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and it starts working, right? It yeah. starts going, cool, I've got this extra water now to help with this detox. I've got a little. I've got a reduction in this gluten load, or this fermentable mm-hmm. carbohydrate load, or this oxalate load, or mm-hmm. I've got some, you know, um, dim in there to push estrogen down the right way, and I've got some phase two support in there mm-hmm. and some calcium. All the things that we would, you know, calcium glucose, so all the things that we would look at in in supporting the body. We're not forcing it to detox. Mm-hmm. We're just supporting what it would do naturally. You can feel really shit before you feel better. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But it's... again, it's assessing how shit is where you draw the line in terms of what you do. So. Yeah, that's a good one, actually, in regards to hormones, isn't it? Like, we've talked a lot about gut, but that sort of pushes into that, I guess, systemic space or that relationship with gut, liver, hormones. And when you work stress with hormones, hormones like more... if the body's constantly mm. stressed because it's inflamed, you constantly will have your liver's just this poor little organ that's mm. just copying the brunt of everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I always say to my clients, like if we're dealing with periods or, you know, we're starting, you know, to expect that you're probably going to feel worse before you feel yeah. better, especially that first period. The first period. Hey, like after you, yeah. 
oh, I yeah. like expect this to be a doozy. Like, warn your partner, <laughs> take take like, take a day off work if you need to. Don't exercise crazy in the lead up to this. Just yeah. no, drink plenty of water. Don't drink booze. All the things because yeah. this is not going to be fun. But once we get through that one, the next one should be yeah. a lot better. So. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that's everything that we had on the list. So I'm hoping that's really helped just clarify what people should expect in relation to die off. Um, what's what sort of, I guess, you know, I had written down about what's normal and what's not, but I think what we've really shown there is it's essentially a really big spectrum and it's important that there are to highlight that there are some flags about how long these things should go on for, but it really does range from person to person in what to expect. And even as Carissa just highlighted, particularly if there's a hormonal aspect, you know, there might be some of these local symptoms in the gut we're talking about, but when we're t- dealing with even cycles for women, even that first month and that first cycle can be like a real classic doozy as far as symptoms go. So hopefully it's helped answer some questions and highlighted this area a little bit more. It might've brought up a whole load of more questions. Yeah. I think if you do have any more questions, like hit us up on socials, like Jess and Mm. I can always do like an Instagram live together about this because obviously we've both been working in this gut space Mm. for years now, years. (laughs) And so we're, we're very well versed in what's normal and what's not yeah. um, and, and how to differentiate between, you know, what is normal and what's not. But also if you are someone who's listening to this and you have been potentially working with a different practitioner or something like that or you have you are in this die-off space and you know, listen to this um, working with, say, a, in a different practitioner or a different modality, a different clinic or something like that, and this has rang, like, probably, like, rang true a little bit. Like, you're like, okay, well, I've been on antimicrobials now for six weeks and feeling horrible mm. and nothing's changing. Like, start asking the questions because now yeah. you know what you should be feeling like and what even what potentially needs to be um, spoken about or, you know, adjusted in terms of antimicrobial therapy. So mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. Don't be afraid to ask the questions. Always ask. Always. <laughs> Always ask. <laughs> so thanks he's for listening. And yeah, as Carissa pointed out, if you have any questions, please let us know through socials or you can email the clinic. Preferably just DM us. That's probably easier. Yeah, just do that. <laughs> we will be doing some more case studies as well. I've had some questions about whether we're still doing those, so we are. So definitely send us through. We've got another two to go, actually. I've still got oh, really? in my inbox when we first put the call out. So. I've got a couple of clients last week that were asking if we're still doing them. They're like wanting to send through someone's case of people that they know. So I think we got quite a few coming. <laughs> Can um, I just say if you are going to send your case through to us, so we just so just to save yourself a little bit of time, mm. give us your health history and what you've done, but also what your priorities and goals are for your own health, like what you would like us to hopefully break down. Like if you're like, I want to sort my gut out, or I want to sort my mm-hmm. hormones out, or we're trying to fall pregnant, or whatever it may be, but also give us a snapshot of your, of a day in the life of food and what that looks like for you, a little bit of a breakdown of your gut function your energy levels just like just just basically a whole consult in an email if you can just send through what we would cover in a consult that'd be great no so then obviously we have a lot more to go with so if we are going to do your case and break it down like Mm. these are all the things that we there are the little bits of extra information that will help us help you (laughs) yeah there's no there's no point in some ways in us doing these case studies if we don't know what you're eating every day so 
yeah definitely make sure you include all that information um so that is it look and we would absolutely love it if you could take the time now just to head to itunes and leave us a review it would be absolutely wonderful um other than that have a bloody awesome week and we will chat to you again soon chat to you soon guys Bye. bye